0: Rock show for throttle junkies, motorheads, and anyone who loves rocking the driver's seat from barn fresh to concours ready. Road Muscle Radio parks the latest news and the biggest names in Rolling Thunder right in your ears. Let's welcome your show hosts: thirty-plus year radio veteran, author, playwright, lousy karaoke singer, and lover of fat and freaky American classic cars. Mark Catfish Groves and freelance automotive journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine and American Car Collector magazine writer and editor of read the brett hatfield let's put the pedal to the metal road when muscle, muscle radio, radio is on the air from the magnificent cowlick media offices located in my basement no what? no 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 not your basement
1: not your basement at all not even close. You know these cats barely let you exist down here.
0: <laughs> yeah, you're not wrong. From the, my two cats' hideout, where yeah, they for, let me come play from, occasionally. From Calvin and Sid's hideout. <laughs> so, <laughs> welcome to Road Muscle Radio. I'm Catfish Groves. And I am Brett Hatfield. Be sure to check out Road Muscle Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and at roadmuscleradio.com for links, our blog, uh, the events we can currently find, which, by the way, I'm finding starting to come back, man. Yeah, I've got to, I'm, I'm very happy with the list that I've currently got there. Go ahead and check it out that's roadmuscleradio.com and of course you find all our podcasts there now coming up in this episode of road muscle radio it's where to get a back rub and a burnout good news bad good news good bad news about the muscle car market a short list of arguably worthless muscle cars from the 70s oh baby and a new accessory set to improve your saggy swervy c2 or c3 corvette and then in segment two, we're going to talk with the president of Los Punk Rods Car Club here in KC. They are a cool car club. They are dedicated. And uh, they do a thing called Greaserama that's just two days of awesome. Yes. And yes. we're going to find out a bit about the history of that and what's coming up in the 20th anniversary of Greaserama. Now, it's been a week since we've hung out, Brett. So what have you done car-wise? I am going
1: brain dead doing Mika Mendy coverage right now. Oh my
0: god, yeah, 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 yeah! I bet uh, I'm on I, my
1: 37th different way of how do you say the paint's real shiny. <laughs> what is it like 50 some odd total? Uh, it's it, it's well, this year is a little truncated courtesy of all the garbage. Is yeah, now. yeah, but uh, still, you got to think up. A bunch of different ways to say,
0: you look real good. <laughs> it's pretty. I like it. That was so pretty. <laughs> it
1: did me touch a pretty car.
0: Yeah, Mecham's like a box of chocolates.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was. Mecham was outstanding. What shirt. was your favorite car there? Oh, man. There was some really great stuff. Um, okay. Well, I'm not going to narrow it down to uh, uh, one. I just can't. The fact that there were three different, true, honest-to-God Shelby Cobras there, a 289 competition car, a 289 street car, and a 427 street car. Not replicas, not superformance, super uh, no knock against Doug Campbell on the, oh, no, and all those awesome. guys because they make a great product. But for real 60s CSX yeah. uh, Cobras there. Uh, but they had my dream vet. They had my dream vet. They had my dream bet, and I didn't have financing, and I haven't sold Vlad yet, by God. Uh, they, they had my 65, 327, 365 horse, four-speed, oh Nassau blue knockoff side pipes, white interior. I saw that thing, and I had to turn around, I thought, I'm going to need a minute.
0: <laughs> it's one of those things where it's just your whole heart, I'm going to need some alone time. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I uh, my dream cars aren't quite that classy, but I saw that one at oh, uh, did you World see of that Wheels go off on bring a trailer today. Yes, 56 I did. Imperial Fifty six Imperial that only cents. went to seventy four
1: hundred dollars. I'm like, Mark, better be
0: bidding on this. No, no, it uh, it's close, but um, I'm um, I'm saving for the one I love. Was I wrong? Is that thing like a pinky peachy? Yeah, it was. Uh, it was different looking. Yeah. It, uh, well, you gotta
1: help the colorblind kids. We never see things the way you're
0: supposed to. <laughs> yeah. Well, you, you, you nailed it. You were spot on with the color and it looked like it was in great condition. It was just even for me. And I know this is really kind of brassy of me to say, but it was even a little ugly for me, which wow. is shocking. That's shocking.
1: I didn't know that was possible. Yeah, I know, right? Wow. <laughs>
0: wow.
1: I have seen you look at some elephant man cars and thought, what are you
0: doing? Really? That Imperial? Well, I think it might've been timing too, because I'll be honest, I'm a little burnout. Okay. I have been looking so hard. And after that, uh, the one I whined about, what was it last week or week before last? I'm just like, eh, I'm, I'm good. And Dude, I, you, you want to talk I, burnout, go to an auction and then do the
1: write-up after. <laughs> <laughs> and here's what gets me. Uh, e- even as fried as I am when I get done, and I, I am, by the time I get done writing an auction up and writing the article and all the yeah. reviews and all that stuff, by the time I get done, I'm like, okay, I need, I need a break. And
2: without fail,
1: I get up the next morning, I walk in my office and go, oh, hey, bring a trailer. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're not wrong. <laughs> I, I have my favorites list that I saved on, on Facebook Marketplace because I, I go scouring the various cities within about an eight-hour radius of oh, yeah. Kansas City. Oh, yeah. And uh, every once in a while, I'll just stroll through those to kind of go, <sighs> hey, I, I'm still on
1: record. I promised you if you find the one and we can get to it inside of a tank of gas in that Navigator, pull on a trailer, I'll go. I'm in. I'm so, in. There you we'll go. We'll find
0: it. All right. Let's find out what was in news this past week for classic cars and muscle cars, uh, from TMJ4.com. It's a telev- television station. Uh, here's a win-win for a married getaway, maybe. maybe. It's a resort <laughs> and a spa and muscle cars. Uh, you know, you might be able to get a back and butt massage from a 68 GTO there. It's so, I, I love this idea. I love it. It's in Lake Geneva, Wisconsin. The Grand Geneva Resort and Spa is now renting out vintage cars for spa goers to drive while they're in town. The resort partnered with American Classic Rental. And for the low, low starting price of $299 for four hours. Gee, many. And of course, you know it goes up from there depending upon the car. Uh, You can go and cruise around in like a '69 Rolls Royce Silver Shadow, an '80 Corvette, a '65 Shelby Cobra Tribute, '68 Pontiac GTO convertible, '72 Oldsmobile 442 convertible. 65 Ford Mustang convertible, a bunch of other convertibles, and even a 74 Firebird, which I just, you know, there's nobody like uh, Rockford. Save for the roller. I like every one of those. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah, I think it would be fun. And it just makes me wonder, would, would you ever think about renting out Vlad? No, <laughs> <laughs> probably not for this much, and I, not, and the not,
1: insurance would be no. brutal. Uh, you you would really really have to bring your Amex and your mortgage broker.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so it's a, I think it's pretty. But I get it. That's a cool idea. It's a good idea, and probably for the price, it, I looked up the place on the web, and it's a, the resort's pretty classy. So I'm thinking, you know, this is not somebody who's going to slam. You it realize into the you long.
1: put classy and Wisconsin in the same story, dude? Right? It's in the
0: Dells. Yeah, it's sharp.
1: I'm going to have to see some pictures. It's pretty cool. All right. There's a little bit of good news and a little bit of bad news for muscle car sales. The second quarter of 2020, new muscle car sales numbers in the U.S. were god-awful. Uh, yeah, uh, First quarter just sucked it uh, in a big way. Uh, unfortunately, the highly attractive offers that uh, – <laughs> All of our favorite people over at Fiat Chrysler yeah, were FCA out
0: there. was trying so hard. Uh, FCA they was
1: pedaling that bike as fast as it could. They were throwing it down,
0: and GM was too, yeah. and Ford. uh What was it? Eighty four months, no interest. Yeah, you know, they got that on the Bronco. We'll let you pay it off in twelve years and not charge you. I mean, yeah, damn! And, and
1: they've already pre sold so many Broncos, you ain't gonna get one until. <laughs>
0: In the next decade. You know, on our brother podcast, on yeah, Trimmed yeah, uh, yeah. Radio Show, I put that up on the Facebook page. I know. Page. That's one of our stories this week. That article about uh, the Broncos. Yeah, I mean, the, the Bronco you last list last week.
1: You know, <laughs> to cart around your newborn baby, you're yeah. going to get it in time for graduation. <laughs> <laughs> Not wrong. <laughs> so, but, uh, so the first quarter really stunk. And all the offers that Chrysler and uh, GM and Ford were throwing out didn't really help any, uh, as much try though they may. And then at the same time, with the plants all being closed for most of the quarter, uh, yeah. uh, the supplies dried up. So what was there? It ain't there anymore. So the upside <laughs> is, is all three automakers report stronger than expected sales at the end of May and June. And they expected it to really suck, but they only got mild suck.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a half suck.
1: Well, this is three a three-quarter gr- suck. Chevy Camaro sales once again came in fourth place. I don't get that. Camaro's a great car. Uh, with sales coming in just above half of what they were last year during the same time period. But it was a Dodge Charger that got kicked in the teeth the hardest percentage-wise. Oh. Sales plummeted a full 53% in the second quarter. Oh. Despite Chrys- Fiat Chrysler's full-court press with the Dodge Power dollars and then zero percentage. <laughs> 84,
0: 84 Seven years.
1: My Corvette, I've had yeah. for seven years. Yeah, My first Harley, I've had for se- for more than seven years. Nothing else, though. <laughs> Everything else, we've got pretty good turnover, man. No lot right <laughs> <out-rod> here. <laughs> we ain't growing no moss. Uh, but, yeah, 53% in the second quarter, despite 0% interest versus seven years. Crap, I might go look. Uh, thanks to the drive Ford sales initiative. That said, the Charger still comfortably outsold. Its two-door stablemate, the Challenger. Aww. Finally, the Ford Mustang outsold the Camaro and the Challenger. But sales still took a shot in the butt to the the tune of 27.3%, and that was the lowest drop of the quarter. Man, reco- recovery could be right around the corner, but with COVID-19 cases again on the rise, this fragile expectation is in danger of uh, killing us all. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, here's the here's the flip side of that. Um, yeah, economy's had a downturn, uh, and I think that's a gross understatement. Collector car sales have been through... The freaking that is the interesting
0: roof. thing. Yeah, uh, new car sales down, but the collector ones. And it's people.
1: The uh, they're they're so uh, they're so scared of the market right now that they're kind of doing what they did after the 2008 downturn, and they're looking to put their money into tangible assets. They want to buy something that'll never be worth zero. Yeah, and collector car sales have been unreal. There's been real money going out the door, and a lot of I, I saw a lot of this stuff at Mika Mendy. So, uh, for collector car guys, especially if you're looking to
0: sell or maybe trade up,
1: it might be a good time for you.
0: You know, that's kind of funny. That leads right into our next uh, piece of news. That one was from musclecarsandtrucks.com. This one's from hotcars.com. These might be the, uh, the, Collector cars that you don't want to collect. <laughs> um, now, some of them I, I had to argue with. So I, I just picked five. There were 10 of them listed at uh, heartcars.com. The article's title was Everyone Wanted These Muscle Cars in the 70s. Now they're worthless. See, you know, that's yeah, a clicky bait kind of title. There's a couple of these I'm going to argue. Well, I, there, yeah, there's a few that not everybody in the 70s wanted them. Uh, mm-hmm. Period, mm-hmm. but then, uh, uh, and especially the last one, their number one one, uh, I totally is no, no, I, you're dead wrong. Okay, but let's start. Uh, the, I picked out number ten, the one they started with, was the Ford Mustang Cobra Two, and I kind of picked this because I have correct. hammered it a few times, and, and you um, should. Second gen Ford Mustang, uh, manufactured 73 to 78, sold uh, just a little north of, mil- of a million units from 1974 to 78, so oh, yeah. around 200,000 per year, which uh, on another website I found out the Pinto outsold it, yeah, well, especially they, in 74. They had
1: to keep making Pintos and the damn things kept burning up.
0: <laughs> oh, what's that called? Uh, built-in obsolescence? But, uh, yeah, engineered
1: uh, <laughs> obsolescence. It's also known as charcoal briquette Ouch. with wheels.
0: <laughs> the front engine rear-wheel drive was named car of the year by motor trend in 1974 hey the let's staying too let's Kobe keep two. in
1: mind motor trend or it may have been car and driver also named the chevy vega car of the year one year it goes to show how wrong you can be
0: well <laughs> you know <laughs> and how much you might have gotten paid for uh for our modern horsepower pallet it's a wiener uh it had a 2.3 liter i4 <laughs> or a 2.8 liter v6 the I-4 put out 88 horsepower. The 6, yeah, the really six not, put out 105. That's really
1: not bad for a four-banger in that in that generation. <laughs> yeah, but, but it was
0: a Mustang Cobra, uh, too. No, no, it was uh.
1: not. It's, it's, it's,
0: it's, a mu- yeah. it's a Mustang Earthworm. For comparison, the 74 Pinto, the aforementioned outsold at Pinto, was a two-liter four-banger that put out 86 horsepower. So it was almost as much. Eh. I should have done the Cobra decals on the Pinto. Now, what I will give the Cobra too, though, uh, I don't know what it is about it. Seeing them more and more lately because I've made so much fun of them, I, they're starting to grow on me. Oh, you're kidding! I, I kind of oh, like the kidding. looks of them. I'd have to drop you know, you know you a drive three or two of, of them, but
1: you drive one of those, and then after like a couple months, you wind up with a single giant vampire bat Coke <laughs> nostril.
0: All right, all right, all right. Doing Robert (laughs)
1: Evans-sized lines of blow and (laughs) giant chunks of gravel in them. (laughs)
0: Yeah, they do have a certain Genesee qual oh, at the curve, uh-huh. don't they? <laughs> All right, the second one that I uh picked was their number eight, the Ford Ranchero. I like the Ranchero. No, but they said by the seventies it had a complete rest- it started in the fifties. By the seventies complete restyle with mm-hmm. a shallow pointed grille and front end with the smooth, curvaceous lines. Basically it was a grand torino. Yeah it was. But it had a truck bed instead yeah, it was. of a trunk. And uh, over its lifespan, it sold enough that uh, General Motors got in the game with the El Camino.
1: Well, the El Cam- General Motors kind of did a stutter step with the El Camino. Uh, they did them real early. I think first year El Camino was 59. They did a 59-60. I don't think they did a 61. And then you didn't see them again for a few years. And they came back in 64. Oh, wow. and, and they made them. All the way up through. Uh, late 70s. Might uh, have been no, the early no. 80s, wasn't it? We made them through the late 80s. Late 80s? Late 80s. Oh, my God. And then. Uh, oh, that's
0: right. Because they had like the Caprice front end. Yeah. It's they a had big, square, ugly ass. Well, yeah. they,
1: they had that. They had the, for a little while, they looked like the, uh, oh, gee, many, uh the 73, 74. What was the car you almost bought? <laughs> the car with the, the exhaust that blew off.
0: Oh, that was the, uh, uh, not, uh, not uh, a Malibu. Laguna.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They had Laguna front ends on them and then they changed to the Monte Carlo front end. Oh, that's remember? right. Yeah, yeah. And they went through and, uh, I reviewed one at a Mekum auction here in Kansas City last year that had 1,400 miles on it or something stupid like that. And, of course, I was at an auction, so I was wearing shorts in December like an idiot. And I went to shut the door, and the door caught the back of my calf and opened me up, and I bled like a stuck pig at an auction. Look great.
0: Oops. <laughs> <laughs> Not getting in any more cars after But then. I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but enough about me. Uh, the Ranchero was a muscle car that people really liked, but according to the article, it says today times have changed. People give it out pretty cheap and uh, I don't know. This one's kind of a middle ground because NADA guides.com put the 74 ranchero at average retail of 18 K. See, I like that, them. That's like not them. a drop in the bucket. And the high end was around 31,000. My so. old man
1: had a, a blue ranchero when he was working at a lumberyard in Harrisonville and he pasted a deer with that thing. And that deer <laughs> spun and smacked every panel on that ranchero all the way down the side, came home, looked like he'd be running dirt demo derby in that sucker. <laughs>
0: Coming in at number three, it was number seven on their list, the Pontiac Firebird Formula. This one, uh, I disagree, man. The Pontiac, it debuted in 67. The second gen was delayed until the 70s due to tooling and engineering problems. Mm -hmm. Models like the 74 featured a redesigned shovel nose front end Mm -hmm. and new wide uh, slotted taillights. I thought the thing was kick-ass looking.
1: Hey, I reviewed two of them from the Indie Auction. It's funny you should bring this up. And both of them, first of all, Unbelievable restorations. You've never seen one look this good. They didn't look this good new. No. Yeah. But each one of those, one was a uh, Formula 455 high output. The wow. other one was a Formula 400. Each of them sold for seventy one grand.
0: Yeah. Well, that's what I, when I got into here, this is going to be really interesting because uh, Firebirds were used in the Trans Am series in the 60s and yeah, 70s. Yeah. Uh, they had two base engines for the 74 models, 100 horsepower inline six, 155 horsepower V8. Yeah. Decent enough specs. Now it says they weren't they aren't worth much since then, and according to what I looked up, they're kinda of right. Yep. At Haggerty.com, a good condition. Now this is specifically seventy four Firebird, one that has been all touched up. Yeah. A good condition. Seventy four Firebird comes in at eighty seven hundred bucks, fair condition for fifty six hundred, and then you lose twenty percent for automatic transmission. Yep. Another thirty percent if it's the six-cylinder. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh no, it, I get that. And 74 gets pounded, but well, I think it's a hot-looking car.
1: 74, that's beginning malaise-era cars where, yep. you know, the 75 Corvette had 160 horsepower. 75 Corvette had 160 horse. Let uh-huh. that sink in. 75 Corvette had 160 horsepower. I got a Harley that puts out 100.
0: <laughs> Ow. Uh-huh. Uh, Coming in at number four for us, number five for them was 74 to 76 Ford Torino. Yeah. Now, you know, basically this was uh, the actual whole car instead of the Ranchero. Uh, redesigned in the 70s using a bunch of features from previous generations. It had that pointy grill, yeah. kind of smooth hips, almost like a Coke bottle. Mm-hmm. And as a competitor uh, in the intermediate market, the Torino uh, was sold and received decent praise in the 70s. Uh, then it just kind of dropped off the radar. Uh, especially after it got, you know, um, four doors and then it got that freaking vinyl top. That's just awful. It's just and
1: another iteration of that crap four-door <laughs> Galaxy, LTD, <laughs> every other thing. You know, they, they had a run. Ford had a run in the mid-70s that just everything looked about the same and they just changed out the emblems. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So.
0: And added a uh, an opera window. Oh, yeah. Crap, um, absolutely craptastic. According to grandtorinosport.org, uh, this place is pretty much, uh, the article is right. Good condition Torinos start at $3,000. Two door hardtop with a 351. $3,000. That actually seems really cheap. We ought to go Oh, my one. God, yeah. With a 460, it's 4000 And <laughs> you can really pump it up to 5K if you add factory air and a four-speed manual. I'm
1: just wondering what a good engine build on a 460 would turn out. Yeah.
0: That'd be <laughs> kind of fun. Wouldn't it? You know, and, and the Gran Torino movie, I thought, would reignite it, and it just really... Didn't no. I'm surprised. Yeah, I'm surprised. Such a pretty car. And coming at number five, number one for them. This is one. Uh, I think they're. I think they're full of it. Yeah. About. I call bullshit right here. Uh, they listed the '69 Dodge Charger Daytona. Bull, now this bull was designed haunted. with racing in mind, aerodynamic aids oh, to dominate yeah. NASCAR. Could go up to 200 miles per hour. Yes. Now. This is what this is where I'm like, okay, this is the writer writing this. I don't know how much of this was based on fact because massive front beak extended the car to almost 19 feet long. And this is they wrote, it's easy to see why it flopped. Now, I did The thing is, did it really sell well uh, originally? Because we're talking this many years later and collectors who have, uh, who have changed their mind. Uh, this. Article says it was ugly, then it's ugly now, which I'm like, screw yeah, you. He's, he's full of crap. Uh, it serves collectibles, maybe the looks part of the reason. And then it went on to say, and I bolded this, if you want one, don't spend too much on this muscle. This it isn't guy's worth an idiot. Much.
1: This guy's an idiot.
0: I went and looked at yeah. conceptcars.com and a bunch of other places, but this one had median sales for the model with the 440 at $160,000. Yeah, and that's median. That's not the really good ones. Yeah, and the 426 version going for around 110 Is no, it worth much?
1: I don't, I don't know what this guy was smoking when he put the Daytona in there, but he's wrong.
0: Now, if you want to look at all 10 of those cars, just go to uh, uh, roadmuscleradio.com, and you'll find the link there. Uh, I, I don't agree with all that. So it looks like
1: you've got some handling and suspension options coming to you new from RideTech for your uh, second, third, and fourth-gen Corvettes, or at least the second and third ones. Uh, they've got bolt-on kits to transform your ride and handling. I own a first-generation Corvette. Mm -hmm. I think it is the sexiest, most beautiful, elegant Corvette there's ever been. It is. It rides exactly like a lumber wagon. (laughs) (laughs) The ride is crap. It is absolute crap. Uh, Essentially, underneath one of those is a 46 Chevy. Oh, wow. It's a solid axle. Um, it's bias. It's five inch wide bias tires. It does not handle well. And, you know, through a set of curves, you probably get outrun by an old lady with a Kmart cart. It does <laughs> not handle well. It's gorgeous. When they came out with the Stingran 63, that is a fully four wheel independent suspension. So those handle pretty well. And they ride a lot nicer than mine. Yeah. You drive mine a couple hundred miles. You'll put a chiropractor's kid through an Ivy league school. <laughs> But if you don't like the handling that you get from your second and third-gen Corvettes, which really is not that bad, you can make it a whole lot better with this new uh, kit from RideTech. Uh, they say Corvettes from the 60s and 70s are notorious for sagging suspensions. They've got a fiberglass leaf spring across the back, and that's what – it's not a traditional fiberglass leaf spring. Yeah. It's, not a, it's not a longitudinal one. It's lateral. And it hooks to the center member and then extends to either side. And they had that as part of their handling, I think, maybe up through the fifth gen. Wow. I would have to double check. But they sag over time. Yeah. That's a real, real common replacement. Or – you can do this kit from RideTech. They're notorious for sagging in the back, rough riding, difficult to manage handling, says Indiana based suspension specialist RideTech as it releases its RideTech street grip suspension system designed for C2 and C3 Corvettes produced between 1963 and 1982. Kits complete are $2,040. That doesn't sound like that much. Not for RideTech. It's not. It's really not. Because uh, I've priced out RideTech kits for my Impala and I don't have one yet, and there's a reason <laughs> for that. that. <laughs> uh, ride Tech makes terrific stuff. Yeah, they are known to be the best air ride, aftermarket air ride company out there, and that's part of why I've been hunting their stuff and trying to figure out if I can install one by myself. I, I don't think that's going to happen. Anyway, the, the <laughs> kits are, are the kits for the Corvettes are completely bolt-on, totally transform the ride and handling of these beautiful vintage rides. Kits include RideTech Tech. Ed- Adjustable aluminum monotube shocks with Fox technology tuned to the specific vehicle generation. Also included are Hyperco dual-rate front springs that provide a soft ride at slower speeds but stiffen under higher dynamic conditions. Um, You can also get Delrin bushings for the control arms uh, and a stronger front sway bar Hyperco uh, rear composite leaf springs that reduce weight by more than Uh, It says more than 30 points. I bet it's pounds. Yeah. As well as the spacers to adjust ride height. New new front springs do lower ride height from factory setup, but the spring spacers are offered if you want to keep the car closer to a factory height. For more information, visit RideTech.com. You know. Coming from RideTech, I bet it does transform the handling, but compared to my first-gen Corvette, the second and third are so damn good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, it's pr- perspective is the key to life. Oh, baby. And I've had that car for a long time, and it's not
0: getting any easier as I get older. Thank you, ClassicCars.com, for that article. You can find links to these stories and more on our blog at RoadMuscleRadio.com. Now, coming up in our second segment, Sean Spiewak, president of Los Punk Rods, a non- Nonprofit car club based here in Kansas City joins us to talk about one of the biggest bad car shows in the Midwest coming up on Labor Day weekend. I am looking forward to talking to this guy. It's called Greaserama, and we think you're going to love it when you hear about it. Stick around; more Road Muscle Radio is coming up. We're back with Road Muscle Radio. You can find us on the web at Road Radio.com, on Twitter at Road Muscle Radio, and on Facebook. Plus, I'm, like I said in uh, segment one, I'm finding more events and posting them on the events page at Road It's exciting, man. We've been dry for a long time. Yeah, oh, it's so nice to see. <laughs> it is. And then people are sharing pictures of events they've gone to, and I'm like, yeah, Yes. Bring it on, shower me. Uh, speaking of events, about 10 years ago, I caught wind of a two day car show here in the Kansas City area that took place at a drive in movie. And two, I got, two day car show, man. I, I thought, you know, that's, it's double cool. You've got a drive in. Well, got Cars. Which drive in? It was at the Boulevard drive in. I was there this weekend. Seriously. Yeah. Oh, dude. It was so fun. I, I went to it. Now I, as you know, I, I whine about, I'm still searching for my unicorn. Went to this thing. Paid my $10 to get in and spent the whole damn day there. I had so much fun. It was so much more than I expected. It was like an an art show of vehicles that uh, many of them reimagined uh, through the lens of blow torches and punkabilly music. It was hot rods with classic flair. It was classics that were well kept, but not snobby. That great music. You could go up and you could talk to people. I saw dudes with enough metal in their faces to rebuild a Yugo <laughs> talking to some cat with a cane and... And no hair left. I mean, it was old people, young people all the way across the board chatting about the cars that they had brought in. It was called Greaserama. I fell in love. Now, Greaserama is putting on its 20th annual show, Labor Day weekend, at the sprawling Platte City Fairgrounds. And joining us is Sean Spiwak, president of the Los Punk Rods Car Club. That's the group of men and women who work their butts off to put on this killer show. Sean, welcome to
2: Road Muscle Radio. Well, thank you guys for having me. Thank you for being so interested in the show. Oh,
0: heck yeah. You know, I was hooked from when I went there. I took my, at the time, I had a kind of a a crappy but decent ish. Uh, thirty five millimeter camera and i just i filled a card or two because i 'm like, oh, this is cool, oh this is cool oh this is cool let me take thirty eight angles of this car because every time you look at it from a different point of view, there was something different to see uh, between the the rat rods and the uh and the the classics and the one there was there was uh, we 'll we'll get to that question i mean i 'm gushing the um, tell us what Greaserama, you know, Sean, you should see him. He's sitting in his own sauce. Yeah, <laughs> Sean, <laughs> tell us what Greaserama is all about—the curated cars, the handpicked entertainment, the special, the special flavor that makes Greaserama a truly unique car culture
2: event. So, and that's exactly what it is. It's a total event, not just a regular car show. Um, you know, it, it was created. Uh, actually, the the club started late '90s. The, the first show was in 2001, and basically, it was created to. bring out the cars for the guys that were building their own stuff kind of the do-it-yourself type guys and uh you know everybody can't afford the the boyd coddington type street rods a hundred thousand dollar car and and then you go to a lot of those shows and you know a lot of times there was a handful of cars that you really liked that you could relate to and and then all this high dollar stuff so so greaserama was created and uh like you said, it's really laid back. We've got bands, we've got art. Everybody's just getting along. You've got the the punks with the mohawks and the metal in their face talking with the the old guys that have their brought their old jalopy out or something, and and we all just have a great time.
0: When you guys got together to start this off, I mean, how how did you start it? Was it just a few uh friends in a parking lot? Because it just it's it's so big now.
2: So I wasn't around in the early days, but. Uh, from from my understanding, um in the late nineties there was a few guys that were going to, to punk rock shows and art shows and driving their old cars around everywhere and decided that they wanted to start their own car club. So uh Todd Carnahan and Paul Kester started the club back in nineteen ninety eight and they were getting together out in Lawrence at a park out there and a handful of other people would show up and and then uh in two thousand one the opportunity arose to uh to rent the El Torion. Uh, which is down at 31st and Gillum, downtown, and, uh, and put on the, the very first Cowtown Custom Greaserama, is what they called it. And, uh, there was about 20 bands showed up. There was a, a oh. small art show there and maybe about five or six dozen cars that showed up at that first event. And it just kept getting bigger and bigger. Um, basically they, they outgrew the El Torion and, and had to move. And we've moved a couple times since.
0: What took you to the Boulevard drive-in? That, uh, I, I think that was just a, a mark of genius, but how the heck did you get them to hook up with you on that?
2: So that was a great place to have it. Actually, Todd, our, our first president of the club, um, which unfortunately, he had passed away here in 2012, yeah. but he lived right down the street from the Boulevard <laughs> Drive-In at <laughs> the time. Go. And uh, so from 2001 to 2005, we were at the El Torreon, outgrew it. He contacted Boulevard Drive-In. And in 2006, moved there, and it was great. We got to show old Hot Rod movies up on the drive-in screen, and the the show just kept getting bigger and bigger, and we we had a great time there.
0: I remember the first time I went there, it was packed. Every single row, there was, uh, I I can't remember how many cars you could shoehorn in there, but I swear to God, it was somewhere around eight or 900 uh, before it was like, nope, there's there's just no more room. You just can't yeah, fit people definitely. in. When did you-
2: and, and that was you know, part of the fun of that place, too. I, there was one year where it was pouring down rain, and we just opened the gates starting to let cars in, and it starts pouring, and I'm thinking, oh, the, the show's ruined, and it, it didn't deter anybody. There was still a line of cars coming <laughs> down that hill, everybody pouring in, having a great time.
0: You know, I think I was there for that because I had brought a special plastic bag to put around my camera. Uh, <laughs> no kidding. kidding. Did, did you? Hell yeah. Oh, hell yeah. I, I was uh, I was 100% in it. And then you guys moved up to um, the Platte City Fairgrounds, and how, did that, how much more room did that give you, and what ideas did it allow you to start doing?
2: So, so just like the El Torreon, you know, we outgrew that, had to move on. Well, we did the same thing at the, the Boulevard Drive-In. We got to where the last couple years we were starting to have to, to turn cars away because oh. we couldn't fit yes, anymore down in the, in the, the bowl of a, a place that that is. It is. Um, and uh, so, so we found the, the Platte County Fairgrounds. Um, it's a big, nice fairgrounds. There's big shade trees there. They've got some buildings that we can have vendors in that's air-conditioned. Um, and it's it's a great place, plenty of room to spread out for a, the swap meet and all the vendors and everything.
0: This is both a family-friendly and an adult event. Uh, what are some of the fun things we can do to cover both ends of, of that stick?
2: Sure. So, you know, just like any other car show, we've, we've got our vendors. We've got food vendors and uh, people selling shirts, hats, trinkets, all that kind of stuff. Uh, we've got a, a swap meet, a big swap meet area, all kinds of car and motorcycle parts. Uh, we have bands playing for the two days. Um, this year, I know we've got the uh, uh, Pop Skull Rebels, Johnny and the Riff Raff, and Homeless in Hollywood that I know of that are playing. <laughs> awesome. um, we've got the uh, a section we call the No Gas section, uh, which is a... A bicycle club that comes in, and they've got bicycles. They've got some battery-powered stuff. Um, they're doing a Hot Wheels track again this year, so all the the younger kids oh. can bring out their Hot Wheels and race them against each other, and maybe yeah. try to get a trophy. They can buy Hot Wheels there or yeah, race with what's, 50 what's year there. Old
1: kids, yeah,
0: <laughs> <laughs> there might be some awfully big kids uh, involved. Yeah, in that. yeah.
2: We've also got a uh, let's see, a Pinstripe Alley is is something else. So we've got yes. a, a select uh, group of of pinstripers and artists that. They're selling stuff, and then if you want to get your car striped, they've got an area where you can pull your car up to and, and pick out one of the artists or multiple artists and get your car striped. Um, we've got a full art gallery, our uh, Lily's Greasy Gallery. Um, <laughs> yeah, all kinds of fun stuff.
0: Uh, I even know a guy who was there for three years selling books um he sold um uh, horror books and he'd even had one that was specially made so he could participate because you guys do such a great job of curating your show and bringing together all of these elements that that blend and work together and uh, the name of the book was Route Six 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 Four on the Floor. And in case Sean, you haven't already guessed, it was me. Yeah, I was going to say that that guy's behind <laughs> a
1: mic right now.
0: Yeah, and for three years, I went out there and and uh, shilled the killing, and it was it was so fun. And then of course, you know, I would shut down the stall for about ten minutes. Okay, about thirty minutes. I'm lying and book my ass around that lot because there were so many wonderful vehicles to see. Uh, great, great fun. We're talking with Sean Speed uh president of Los Punk Rods, the car club that hosts Greaserama. Now, you can find out more info by looking up Greaserama on Facebook or visiting greaserama.com. Tell us about the different classes of vehicles that are in the car show and, and what are you looking for and then what are you not looking for?
2: So, it's, it's not particularly classes that we do. It's, it's open to cars that are 1964 and older and trucks 1972 and older and motorcycles about mid-70s and older. Um, and what we're looking for is the older 50s, 60s style, traditional hot rods, traditional customs. Um, even if you've got a, a car that, that meets the year cutoff, uh, what we don't want to have there is the, the modern, the big billet wheels, you know, 20-inch wheels, the, the digital dash, all that kind of stuff. Um, we're really trying to look for, basically, if if we had some pictures of of a show from say 1962, we would like to be able to take pictures of our show and not really be able to tell the difference between the
0: two. Nice. Now, I actually, I'll put up a bunch of pictures that I took. <laughs> nice. I'll try to Good. help you curate on on our uh, website. Amongst those vehicles, also are are just some insane, evil genius vehicles. What are some of the coolest vehicles that, Sean, that you remember seeing at Greaserama?
2: So for the last few years, we've been up at the Platte County Fairgrounds. We have a a special indoor building, and we call it the Sweet 16, where we handpick some cars, bikes, motorcycles, trucks from from other events that we've gone to or people that we know that are building cars. And we've had some really high-end customs in there. Uh, We've had some uh, pretty... Pretty high-tech street rods, uh, hot rods, um, old traditional uh, gassers, drag racing cars, um, some famous cars. We've had uh, Pete and Jake's that are here close in to oh, town, uh, the California Kid, uh, Jim Jacobs' car in there, um, all kinds of different things. Um, and speaking of, of uh, the, the California Kid, this year we're, we're bringing it back. We're going to have it in the Suite 16. Not only that, but we are renting a giant screen, movie screen, uh, like a 40 by 60 foot screen. And we're going to show the movie, The California Kid.
0: One of the craziest builds that I ever saw, it was a homemade contraption. And I, I hope it's there again, because I want to see it moving again, because it just stuns me that somebody thought all that through. I believe the gentleman had taken a very, very large steel tank. A not uh, a, like a almost a gas tank, uh, a propane tank, except it was smaller with a lot of rivets. And he cut a hole in the top and he figured out how to weld on the wheels and a steering system. And he drove this contraption around. And I'm like, my God, that's amazing. Uh, what's the weirdest thing, Sean, that you've ever seen there?
2: I don't, we've had lawn tractors that were customized we've had uh, you know cars just dragging the ground we have uh, lots of guys that like to put flamethrowers on the back and yes. and have a, a nice display at, late at night that's pretty cool to watch um, there's, you, you'd be amazed at, at what you can walk around and see there there's just uh, it, the people even you know there's there's a little bit of everything there
0: yeah the uh just the watching it is so fun um, what can we bring in with us? If, if we come in, let's say we bring in a vehicle, we've got people, we pay, you know, our, our uh, entrance fee to get in. Can we bring a picnic basket? What else what can we bring?
2: Yeah, if, if you wanted to bring something to snack on and, and some drinks or something, that would be fine. Um, one thing that we always have to make sure we let everybody know every yeah. year is we cannot allow any animals there. Um, the insurance and the fairgrounds doesn't allow us to have pets just in case, you, mean you know, other a dog than the was to get loose and bite around. somebody.
1: Yeah, you mean um, other than the people walking around.
2: exactly (laughs) i I know i'm afraid some of them might turn around and bite us more than than a dog
0: (laughs) yes here's jim bob just keep your hands away from his mouth (laughs) i'm doing tequila shots and distemper shots (laughs) (laughs) but okay well we can do that and how late can we stay like saturday it's a saturday and sunday event and how late can we stay
2: it is. So So the show is actually advertised Saturday from noon to midnight and Sunday from noon to about sundown. Um, you know, with us playing movies this year, not real sure exactly how late those are going to go. A lot of times the bands go till two, three o'clock in the morning. People stay up partying and having a good time. Some people pass out in their car if they need to. Yep. Uh, I'd rather that than they try driving Amen. home Amen. sometimes. so.
0: So they could actually just but, sleep in the car and then wake up the next morning on Sunday and go, let's, let's get it on. Yeah. Buy a bottle, get drunk enough what to you sleep in the ditch. to
2: do, I would prefer that than uh, somebody getting a, a DUI trying to leave there.
0: And that is, again, one of the things that I love about Rama is the fact that, yeah, uh, you can stay there. You've got all that late stuff that goes on. You don't have to leave. It's, no, it's not camping per se. But you can you no, can we, we can't and,
2: allow any camping there. Yeah, there's but, no camping. But if you're having no too good fires. of a time and you need to sleep in your car for a few hours, then feel free.
0: That's fantastic. Where can we find? Uh, well, is, is there the best place to go? Is Greaserama.com to find out all the information? And is there contact people that we can get there if we're like, well, wait a minute, what about if my wheels are 16 inches?
2: Yeah, so there's, like you said, the, the uh, website would be the best place to go. All of our flyers, everything mentions to go to the website. Uh, there's a couple of email addresses on there that you can contact us um, if you do have any questions. If need be, if, if you need to send somebody a picture of your car. Um, one good thing is we, we always do a pre-party, the Friday night before the show. <laughs> um, so this year, our pre-party, we're moving it up to Platte City at the Ramada, which is going to be our host hotel. Um, in platte City, and if you want to go Friday night and hang out, even if you've got a car that doesn't fit the show, just come up there and hang out. But if you're questioning whether your your car would fit or not, then come grab one of us, and we'll check it out and let you know.
0: Arama is so fun and so cool. If you haven't been to it, you really do need to go check it out. If even if you just go as a spectator, I've done that for I, umpteen times. Uh, worth it every time. Uh, Sean, I love what Los Punk Rods does for car culture here in the KC area. I love Greaserama. Congratulations on hitting that 20-year milestone. And thank you so thank much you. for joining us right here on Road Muscle Radio.
2: Thank you very much.
0: Okay, dude. Wh- what do you think? Do we have to wait till Labor Day? I want to go now. <laughs> so many times i went out there and even the three times that i went as a vendor uh seriously i put a book together so that i could go out and sell there i had already had a rock and roll horror anthology but when i told them about it i mean seriously they they look at this whole picture of this event and their thing to me was well does it have stories about cars and i'm like no And they're like, well, you really kind of need to have, you know, it needs to be car related. And that's when uh, myself and these two other wonderful, extremely talented authors got together and we put out an anthology with uh, uh, three novellas and a short story. Dude. All about uh, that involved cars and road trips and this and that. And they were like, when when I brought that to them and showed it to them, they're like, oh, yeah, come on in.
1: I'm sitting here thinking Vlad's got a full tank of gas. She's clean. All I got to do is swing <laughs> by, swap cars. I'm ready to go.
0: And I don't want to wait till Labor Day. So Labor Day weekend, man, uh, clear your, clear your places and get ready to go. Cause it's a lot of fun. I'm going. Thank you for sharing your time with us as we yak about grease, gears, and cool car stuff. There's nothing like going on a fun ride, especially when you've got good friends uh, riding along with you. Be sure to visit us on Facebook at Road Muscle Radio, at roadmuscleradio.com, and on Twitter. I'm Catfish Groves. I am Brett Hatfield. And we'll catch you down the road on Road Muscle Radio.